Good morning. If you've got a Bible, you might want to start turning to uh, the book of Nehemiah. I'll give you a few hours to look that up. The book of Nehemiah, uh, we'll be reading chapter 1, um, Nehemiah 1. Um, it was great that Jill, thanks to um, it was great that Jill exhorted us um, about the nations. Yeah. Um, just this morning, I got this card delivered um, here via someone else, because it went to someone else's address, um, from Michael, all the way from Ghana, with loads of beautiful African pictures. We are a god of the nations. Um, um, good morning, everybody. My name's Raj. If you're a visitor here, uh, I'm one of the elders here. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, so just to kick off, in my usual traditional way, I'm going to give you a few greetings. So the first one for my Eritrean friends, Rahus Adish Amit Igberelkum. For my Iranian friends, Saleh Nu Mubarak. Yes. For my Indian friends, or particularly a couple, um, Navavarsha Asham Shagal. I think I saw you just come back there. Yeah, that's in, is it Malayalam? Wow. Um, and for the rest of you, Happy New Year. And if, if Dennis was here, I would have said, Happy New Year! That's a South African accent, a very bad one. Um, so, 2017, we can feel it this morning, lots of contributions. 2017, fireworks, bagpipes, new beginnings. Uh, I hear, and obviously we're hearing about wedding bells in the future. Congratulations, Jabber and Alice. Um, I hear babies crying. Tom and Lauren in China are having a baby. Wow, a lot of prayer behind that. Um, the curtain to a new adventure has just opened, hasn't it, Jubilee? I want to ask you a question. Are you excited? Jubilee, are you excited about what God is going to do this year. I am. You know, I say it all the time. I love this church. We've been in this church now for 17 years. Uh, and I love this church. It's great to be a church of many nations. It's great to be a church of many languages and different backgrounds. A church that truly welcomes everybody. Vibrant, dynamic, in love for Jesus. We got that this morning as we were worshipping him, wasn't we? What was it? Uh, weren't we? Wasn't we? God, this Middlesbrough thing's getting to me. I was born here. Right from the outset, Jubilee, I just want to say well done. Well done to everybody here and who's not here. Well done for your passion for Jesus. I really mean that. Well done for welcoming others. Well done for your commitment to prayer. We have lots of different prayer settings. Well done for serving so diligently. Well done for your generosity. And well done for allowing Jesus to build his church through you. Co-workers of the living God. That's a wonderful privilege. So well done. So this morning we're going to be kicking off our new sermon series, uh, looking at the book of Nehemiah. Has anybody found it yet? Somewhere there. Looking at a man um, by the same name who saw the potential of new beginnings in God, even if at the start they were only a little flicker. A man who faced great challenges ahead of him. The church always 
faces great challenges ahead of her. But a man who kept on pulling through, a man who was ruthless, ruthless about pursuing the call of God on his life, even through climates of threat and opposition. You know what? Nehemiah is a great book. It was Sarush's idea as we were praying. It was Sarush's idea to let, let, let's unpack this book. Nehemiah is a great book to, as we approach a new year. And the big, big question as I've been kind of reading Nehemiah and praying about what to bring over, over the coming months, about how God's going to speak to us, the big question uh, that this book poses us, challenges us as we open at the beginning of a new year is this. What are you going to give your life to? Spelt wrongly. Never mind. What jubilee are you going to give your life to? You see, we all give our lives to something. And the object to which we do this is the very thing that changes everything, isn't it? What we give our life to pulls us, it directs us, it fuels us, it motivates us. Nehemiah, as we read over the months to come, knew the power of God's vision. The Bible says in Proverbs 29.18, it says, in one version, it says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. I like that. If people can't see what God is doing, not what you want to do, not what I want to do, but actually, if people can't see what God is doing in the church, they stumble all over themselves. What are you giving your life to? The great preacher and pastor Aidan Wilson Toza phrased the question slightly differently. And we just started reading this little book, a fairly big book actually, by a guy called Bill Johnson. And he quotes it in the beginning of this book. And it says, it quotes Toza, and Toza says, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I'm going to say that again. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It changes everything. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 4.20 that Abraham, and Abraham had a lot of promises over his lives, and he had to have a lot of faith. I'm going to be, you're going to be the father of nations, uh, said God to Abraham, but I can't have children, said Abraham. So, Paul, but the Apostle Paul writes in, uh, about Abraham that even in despite all of this, these promises that he just think, how is this going to work? He's, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, even when it looked impossible, but rather was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Being, and hear this, being fully persuaded, fully persuaded that God had to, the power to do what he promised. Fully persuaded, not to ta not take our brains out and stop thinking blind faith, not fingers crossed, talk, toes crossed, I hope this is going to happen. No, Abraham, the people of God, through God's promises, are fully persuaded, strengthened about God's power to do what he promises. You know what? God cannot lie. God cannot lie. He does what he says for you. Jubilee, this year, I feel God wants us to hear that. 
He wants us to be fully persuaded about his kingdom purposes on Teesside through the many things that God has called us to get involved in, through our community groups, through Alpha, through the Hope Foundation, through Sparklers, through Open Door, through our relational links with churches abroad, Ethiopia, Turkey, uh, Ghana, uh, Tanzania, Canada, through our football team, through safe families, through our work with younger people, through our prayer gatherings, through our links with churches across Teesside, Jubilee. Jesus wants you not to be half-hearted, but wholehearted and fully persuaded about these things of God. Fully persuaded. Do you hear that? As we continue to receive Jesus in spirit and truth, as we press on reaching out to the lost and marginalized, especially through Alpha in, in the coming weeks, as we, um, uh, as we strive to release everyone into their God-given call as we continue to restore the beauty of community. I loved what Malcolm shared there. What are you going to give your life to with just one O? What are you going to give your life to? You see, that's where we find Nehemiah at the start of this amazing book. As you read Nehemiah 1, you get the vibe that this comfortable man's life is about to be rocked around by God that he is on the edge of greatness for God. His faith in God is about to explode into action. But there are things that happen before that. In the quiet place, we heard something about that this morning. In the secret of his heart, that springboard him into action. And really, that's where I want us to dwell this morning for a few minutes, especially as we kick off into a new year. It's going to be personal. It's going to be up close. God's going to speak to us. It might even hurt. Are you up for that? You see, we don't worship a cardboard cutout, Jesus, just carrying him around. We change him, not us change us. Not him change us. No, no, he changes us. He challenges us always. He provokes us always. Are you prepared to be molded, shaped, used by God? So before we get into this passage, a little bit of background, hopefully paving the way for the next few weeks as we go through this book. Let's wind the clock back a bit. The Babylonians, the same Babylonians that Boniem sang about however many Christmases ago. A lot of you won't even be aware of Boniem, but never mind. The Babylonians, yep, 600 years ago. That's when they were in power. 600 years ago, before the first Christmas, before Jesus came to planet Earth, the Babylonian Empire, under the rule of the dreaded King Nebuchadnezzar, he defeated the southern kingdom of Judah, where Jerusalem was. Judah was the promised land. I think you can see it in that map. Just there. Just there. Oh. There. I forgot to bring my thingy-bib-thingy-jig. King Neb had conquered that land. God's chosen people. They got that, the promised land. And the Babylonian forces had devastated Jerusalem. They'd looted and burnt the original temple that had been built by King Solomon, King David's son. 
and took the people away into what became known as the Babylonian exile. We looked into all of that when we looked at Daniel a few years ago and more recently Jeremiah. A terrible time, a terrible time in the history of God's people, the Babylonian exile. And all this because the people had become extremely corrupt and idolatrous and unfaithful, going it alone, thinking they didn't need God, taking Him for granted, being adulterous towards Him, flirting with other gods. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? That's the world we live in today. The prophet Jeremiah in this time was basically asking them the same question that, that, he, that we started off with this morning as he spoke challengingly God's work, word into a backslidden nation, generation. What on earth are you doing? What are you giving your life to? And so through Nebuchadnezzar, God allows destruction and devastation in the hope that the people of God, His loved and cherished ones, will realize that life without God, what they were choosing, was ultimately hopeless, terrible, tragic, desperate. If you're not a Christian here this morning, do you really get the enormity and tragedy of life without God? I remember how that was my depressing reality about 17 years ago before Jesus broke into my life through Alpha actually but the God of history keeps turning the cogs doesn't he God's in control even when things look gloomy he's in charge in 536 BC about 70 years on from the Babylonian Empire uh, the Babylonian Empire is eventually defeated by the Persians. Now that's the red mark around the outside. The Babylonian Empire is right in the middle and suddenly the Persians take over. Do we like the Persians? Oh, no, 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 no. A lot of our Iranian friends are from that area. It's only history. Eventually... Uh, the Babylonian Empire is defeated by the Persians and gradually over the years that follow a small remnant of the Jews from Babylon start returning back from exile to Judah, back to the promised land. And so we start Nehemiah 1 approximately a hundred years after the fall of King Nebuchadnezzar, the fall of the Babylonian Empire, under now the rule of King Artaxerxes Artaxerxes, the, the Persian king, in a place called Susa, which is in modern-day Iran. This was the winter palace of the Persian kings. Sounds beautiful, doesn't it? And that's where we meet this unlikely man called Nehemiah. It's now about 445 BC. Nehemiah is about to be rocked and shaken by God. So let's read it, shall we? Nehemiah 1. Nehemiah 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kishlev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, the ones who came back, and also about the city of God, Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in, are, are back in the, in the pro, uh, and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. 
There's problems. When I heard these things, how does Nehemiah respond? When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said this, and hear this prayer. Hear, hear, hear how passionate Nehemiah is about prayer. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you night and day for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself, humility is a great ground of faith, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying if you are unfaithful, he's reminding God of what God said. Yeah, in his prayer. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then, if you're, uh, then, if you're ex- then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success by granting him favor in the presence of this man, King Artaxerxes. Because in the next uh, chapter, Nehemiah makes the big ask. And then he ends his... Then he ends Nehemiah 1 with, I was cupbearer to the king. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are the great God. Thank you, Lord, that you are in control. Thank you, Lord, that this story is our story. Thank you, Lord, that history presents itself with a living God who is the living God we've been worshipping this morning. And I pray, Holy Spirit, as we go over these uh, next few months, I pray, Lord, you'll speak to us about through this book. I pray that you'll speak to us about how you are a God of grace upon grace, that you have a plan, that you call your people to lead into the purposes of God. And I pray as we uh, look into these different things, I pray we personalize it. I pray, Lord God, that each and every person here sees their part in the building, the rebuilding of the broken walls and the burnt fire gates. Lord, empower us, equip us, continue to show us that you delight in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So really, I only have one thing to share with you this morning, something that God has been really getting my attention with over these last, few, last days of 2016. As we kick off the year, I believe God's desire is to break quite a lot of hearts amongst you. Break quite a lot of hearts um, that's what God has really been saying to me through the end of last year and the beginning of this one. He wants broken-hearted people. Now, I know that sounds like a bit negative, but actually it's not. It really isn't. It's, this is an encouragement jubilee. As that worship song goes that we often sing, Hosanna, I think it's called, it says, break my heart for what breaks yours, Lord. Break my heart for what breaks yours. 
And you know what? That is often the beginnings of great moves of God, isn't it? When God breaks our heart to the things that break his. Before Nehemiah's heart is caught up in God's plan of revival and restoration and action, first notice, as we've just read there, it's broken. As he gets news from his brother Hanani that everything's going wrong, the wall's coming down, the gates are on fire, the people of God who's, who represent God are in disgrace and trouble. What does he do? How does he respond? He says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. We don't often get the power of that mourning and weeping, but when you go to uh, different cultures, in uh, Middle Eastern cultures, Asian cultures, mourning and weeping is a big, loud thing. It's horrible. I remember when Robin died, my mom mourned and wept. I remember walking into that room and hearing the whole house mourning, shrieking, and weeping. This is the culture that we're talking about, a similar culture. But you know what? In the morning, in the weeping, in the absolute reliance on God and the prayer that comes out of it, that is often the start of revival when we look in the, to the history of Christianity. Before the great Barnsley-born um, um, man Hudson Taylor James Hudson Taylor launched into China on the 19th of September 1953 on a very dangerous voyage, leaving behind the prospect of becoming a very successful surgeon at the Royal London Hospital. God broke his heart, not in Barnsley, on Brighton Beach. He opened his eyes to the plight of a part of the world that didn't even know about Jesus. On that stony beach, looking out to the sea, he wept Many times he prayed, he cried out to God. <coughs> and sparked by his broken-heartedness for God's purpose, he spent the next 51 years in China. He learned many languages. He, he founded the very famous China Inland Mission. He sent over 800 missionaries out there. They began about 125 schools. This move of God through Hudson Taylor resulted in 18,000 Christian conversions. But get this. God is a God of history. He keeps turning the cogs. But get this. By 2030... By 2030, as predictions go, China's total Christian population will exceed 247 million people. Jill was right. God is a God of the nations. The largest Christian congregation in the world probably going to overtake Mexico, Brazil, and the US. Wow! All this in a country that the government considers officially atheist. How did it all start? Hudson Taylor wept. Jackie Pullinger writes, him as, writes about him as someone who motivated her to give up her life and go out to China amongst the drug addicts. Hudson Taylor wept and Jesus heard his cry. When one of General Booth's, General Booth was the uh, founder of the Salvation Army, when one of General Booth's um, uh, officers was struggling to see any success in his work in the Salvation Army, he sent a telegram desperate to General Booth asking, pleading for advice. 
What shall we do, general? After a few days, he later received a reply which contained only two words. Try tears. That's what he said. You see, God isn't just making us go through some business plan or four-point vision strategy initiative. No. He wants our heart jubilee. Nehemiah wept, mourned, prayed, fasted. He battled with God. Did you hear how he did that? For months it would seem. Jerusalem was a wreck. He couldn't ignore that. Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Essentially is what Jeremiah was saying. I want to line up with you. I'm reminding what you said, God. I'm reminding you of the promises. You're a God who doesn't lie. Break my heart for what breaks yours. I want to go where you want to go. Where do we want to go? When the Spirit of God falls on us, Jubilee, when God the Holy Spirit moves in, He first and foremost changes our heart. Before anything is seen by others, true conversion is a heart change. Some of you guys on Alpha, we see a heart change. A life visually and publicly sold out for God is a symptom of what God is doing here. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you what? A heart of flesh. Alive to God. Pumping, beating. (coughs) You see, sometimes we can become desensitized by the appalling crises all around us. We can eat our tea quite happily watching the bombings in Aleppo. We can play Candy Crush on our phones while watching images of starving children go before us. We can be, we can be pondering the big question of the morning. What flavor jam are we going to use? As we listen to the radio's news, terrible news, divorce rates rising, drug abuse and associated crime rampant, teenage pregnancies at an all-time high, sexually transmitted illness, crime, terrorism, child abuse, pornography. A few days ago, a friend of mine killed himself. Horrible. This is the world we live in, Jubilee. But it is a world where God is in control. This is the church that we're made up of. This is the mission field that God has called all of us to. Whatever age, whatever nationality, however old you are, whatever culture and background you come from. This is the mission field for all of us. Jesus said in Luke 18, Luke 8:18. And it, it got me this, Luke 8:18. It says, "Therefore Jesus said, therefore take heed how you hear. Take heed how you hear. Do you believe there's a kind of listening that changes us, that mobilizes according to Jesus? A kind of hearing that stirs our heart into action, that brings about change, that breaks us, that devastates us into doing. Jesus said in Matthew 13, 15, for this people's heart has been for this people's hearts have been calloused, hard, firm, impenetrable. They can hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. You know what God wants to change? wants us to be part of changing all that. 
He wants to change you and me. He's calling out, crying out for men, women, kids on fire for him and for what he loves. Can you hear him? Are you listening? Take heed, Jubilee. How are you here? Jubilee, this is my prayer over this church for 2017. I'm excited about 2017. I'm excited for this church. I'm excited for a whole load of things. Jesus, this is my prayer. Jesus, will you break hearts right here, right now, for the things that break your heart? Will you, right from the outset of this new year, align us with what you are doing? Jesus, trigger something in me that yearns for what you yearn. 2017, will you do that for us, Lord? Like Isaiah in the house of God, Isaiah 6, I think. Um, (coughs) When Israel's great king had died and Isaiah saw a future that looked very bleak and black, but then suddenly his heart is taken by a God who is large and in charge. He says this, doesn't it? He saw the Lord high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. His head's being lifted. Angelic choruses raises his faith even more. Fill his vision as as he hears, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He's getting a great perspective again. The whole earth is filled with the glory of God. And Isaiah, brokenhearted for such a great and powerful God, declares, here I am, here I am, send me. That's what God does to you. Here I am, send me. Who are you going to invite to the Alpha course in the the next few weeks? Who are you going to show kindness and give your time to? Who are you going to befriend this week with the love of Jesus? Who are you going to share what you have with them? Who are you going to speak encouragement to and life to? Only the other day I heard about Baz Muhammad prophesying over... Was it Muhammad Karimi? Muhammad Karimi. The encouragement of God. Only Only the other day, not that long ago... He, he made friends here. He tried Alpha. And now he's bringing the encouragement of God to the people of God. There's others. There's lots of others in this room like that. God is using you, using me, using us as a church to bring his message and life change to individuals and those out there. Isaiah was stirred into action by a broken heart. Nehemiah was stirred into action by a a broken heart. Hudson Taylor uh, was stirred into action. Baz, others, were stirred into action by a broken heart. Will you be stirred into into action? Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount very famously, Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. A better translation of that word comforted in the Greek is actually to fortify, to provoke, to stir up, to strengthen, to come alongside. This is how Jesus viewed God the Holy Spirit when he said, I will send you God the Holy Spirit who will be your comforter. He wasn't sending furry cushions and a blanket. He wasn't sending a pat back, pat, pat, pat on your back. No, no. He was sending a helper, 
who would empower us, who would show us um, how to pray, who would bring the Word of God alive right here, who would speak to us, show us things, who would bring hope, who would release us from the things that held us back, who gifts, who would grow fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know the list. You know what? God is good. I think he wants us all to get that at the beginning of the year. He's not some grumpy old man in the sky like me. He's good, really good. And that is his plan for your life. He takes you seriously, Jubilee. He delights in you. That's it. That's my message this morning. Not a lot, but a whole load. I want you to get this as we go into this, in this next year. Will you have faith for the impossible, Jubilee? Will you let the prophetic mandate of Isaiah 61 rattle your very being? Will you look, uh, not to your own strength, but rather lift your head high, high, high to the one who gives you strength? What are you giving your life to? What comes into our minds when we think about God is, is, is the most important thing about us. Do you get it? You know what? Nehemiah 1 ends with, I was cupbearer to the king. Just that kind of slipped in right at the end. I was cupbearer to the king. Very important man, Nehemiah. Cupbearer to the king, big deal. He was influential. He was a very important man. He was King Neb's probably one of his number one trusted guys. But I feel God would say to us, each and every one here, that that's all very well about Nehemiah, but you, Jubilee, are more. You are sons and daughters of the great king of the universe. You, Jubilee, are a child of the living God, loved, cherished, adored, precious in His sight. I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. He delights in you. Do you hear that? Are you listening? What a privilege. <coughs> what a joy. If the band can come up, that would be good. We're going to sing our heart's desire this morning to God. We're going to sing our heart's desire to God. But just before we sing our last song, I'd like us all to stand. You can stand now, that'd be great. Um, I want us all to shout out, stood up, big lungs. I want us all to shout out, like we really mean it, Isaiah 61. Jesus' kingdom manifesto. The very heartbeat of this church, the very heart cry of Jesus you want to know what breaks God's heart, read Isaiah 61. That is our call jubilee. But as you do that, I want to encourage you not to sit back and get complacent, oh, read this before, but rather to listen to and hear, hear, take heed how you hear, hear what you're saying and let God the Holy Spirit bring about faith and passion and a yearning in you this morning. Can we do that together? Is that okay? Let's go loud and clear. <clears throat> the Spirit 
of the Sovereign Lord is on you, me, everyone. Because the Lord God has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God. He's coming back to put it all right. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will, it's a promise, they will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor, the church. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you are a God who delights in us. And as we kick off this year, we pray that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you will ignite our hearts to, the, to your vision through this church, that you will bring alive that scripture that you've spoken into us individually and corporately together, that our kids will be on fire for you, Jesus, that our young ones, our old ones will be on fire for you, Jesus, that the nations will be glad in you, Jesus, that people will be set free from the terrible stuff of the past into the glorious future in God. That many will be saved across Teesside through this church and other churches across Teesside. That you will lift your name, that your banner will declare the glory of God and the victory of God over Teesside, the nation and the nations. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. Here I am. Here we are. Send us. Thank you, Lord.